We rejoice in the Son of God today. We're grateful for Jesus. We're grateful for his presence. We're grateful for the kingdom of God. We're grateful for his goodness. Father, we just love you, God. We pray that you will be glorified, God, that you would use your church to reach the world, God, and touch every single heart, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said amen. Amen. Praise God. You guys can find a comfortable seat in the house of the Lord. How are you guys doing this morning? Oh, good. It's, look, it's, it's 945. You guys are fine. You guys are fine. But for real, the first service is usually a little bit dead, so I'm glad that we got a little packed today. Amen. Praise God. So I know there's a lot of new faces, and for those of you who have been here a while but don't know me, my name is Rudy. I've been coming to this church for almost 10 years. I've been serving God almost 10 years, um, so it's been a great journey. God has done amazing things in those 10 years, and I believe that every single person has a, has a plan that God has for them. They just got to step into what he's doing, not what you're doing. Amen? All right, so, oh, look at this. Man, that's crazy. <clears throat> that's a big or. That's because it's, it's a big decision. Look, it's a big life decision. The concerns of God or the concerns of man. It's a big decision. And you know what Jesus said? I don't know if Jesus said it, but this is what the Bible says. I think Jesus said it. He said that wide is the gate and broad is the path that leads to destruction. And a lot find it. Many find it. And narrow is the gate and narrow is the path that leads to eternal life. And I'm not a math wizard, but that means two-thirds of the people are not going to find that path. This path right here, the concerns of God. Two-thirds, I mean, one-third is actually going to find the concerns of God. Two-thirds are going to be stuck on the concerns of man. That's why I said it's a big or, and I didn't do that. Pastor Joe made that cool slide for me, but it's a big life decision. We're going to go to Matthew 13 today, starting in verse 3. We're actually going to be in a lot of parts of the Bible, but our, our, our anchor scripture is Matthew 13, starting in verse 3. So, let me just say this. Um, I've been serving God, like I said, almost 10 years, and I've never experienced such revival as we're experiencing now. I mean, we're experiencing revival. I have not experienced it as we're experiencing it right now. And what happened? Well, we, our church has gone under a lot of pressure, under a lot of opposition, under a lot of persecution, under a lot of hate. And when people see that there's a church willing to stand in the face of all that and say, I still love Jesus, people are getting woke. Let me just explain what woke means because I had to explain it to, to a brother. Woke means this. It's not a bad thing, okay? Woke means you're actually opening your eyes to what the truth is, what the reality is. You're not just in a box like, you know what? Stuff may be happening around me, but I'm not going to pay attention to it. That's actually being asleep. Being woke is like there's stuff happening around me, and I know about it. That's being woke, okay? So... People see a church that is woke. I know what's going on, and we're going to stand in the face of it and say, Jesus is still Lord. Jesus is still God. So when it comes to the concerns of God or the concerns of man, we really got to weigh it out. What are we willing to do in this world? Are we going to live for ourselves? Are we going to treat Jesus like a vending machine? Like, oh, you know what? I just need a little bit of help right now. I got, you know, a little bit of hopeless right now. I lost a family member. Let me just go to Jesus in my prayer closet. Just, you know, pray. No, we should not be going to Jesus like he's a vending machine, like, oh, I just, you know, whatever I got, Jesus, here you go, just give me what you got. No, that's, that's not what Christianity is about. That's what American Christianity may be about, but what about the kingdom of God kind of Christianity? So we got to 
tune in to the concerns of God. I'm hoping I don't have to wear my glasses today. Let's see. It looks a lot clearer, but I'm going to try to do it without it. Okay, here we go. Sorry, Matthew 16. My bad. That's for the end. Let's go back. Matthew 16, we're going to start in verse uh, 13. Matthew 16, verse 13. Here we go. This is our opening text and basically the anchor for what we're going to talk about today, the concerns of God or the concerns of men. All right, here we go. Peter declares that Jesus is the Messiah. What a good boy. All right, here we go. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. What about you? Red letters is Jesus. He's like, what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? He's looking to his disciples, right? He's asking his disciples, who do you say I am? I know about others, but what about you? Simon Peter decided to answer, and he's like, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. A plus, Peter, good job. And, you know, Jesus praises him. He's scrolling down a little bit. Jesus, Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. So now he's like, Peter, you're hearing from God now. You're getting it. It's clicking, Peter. You got it. Okay, so it's clicking. Um, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell, if you don't know that kind of word, the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So I'm going to build my church on that, Peter. Like, yeah, you got it. You got the right mentality. And the gates of hell will not overcome that church. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Look, he's, he's giving Peter a lot right now. He's just praising him. Like, you got it. You got to click. I'm going to build my church on that. Here are the keys. Do you think, Peter? Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples to not tell anyone that he was the Messiah. So you got Peter, A plus answer. Peter is, is clicking with Peter now. I don't know if you know about Peter in the Bible, but he was rebuked a lot by Jesus. But mainly because Jesus knew that Peter had a lot in him. That Peter had, had to learn some stuff, but he's going to use that zeal for his kingdom. But still. So you got Peter all like, man, I feel good. I mean, that's what I'm predicting. Like, I'm just saying, like, Peter's probably like, man, I got it. He's going to give me the keys to the kingdom. I'm going, to have, I'm, going to, I'm going to basically be really important to Jesus and his church, this church that's going to stand up at the gates of hell. Like, I got it. So let's, let's, let's go to this next section because you got Peter in that mindset. So then Jesus wants to teach his disciples a little bit. So let's read this. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Look, first, look at this. First of all, we got Jesus predicting the resurrection, everything that we Christians are supposed to base our faith on. He's saying, all right, guys, now I'm going to teach you guys. i talk, talk to you about my church. It's going to stand up at the gates of hell. And now he's saying this, that he's going to be handed over, suffer, be killed, but also raised to life. And so he's predicting what's going to happen that's, the king, that's, that's Jesus on his father's business. This is what I came to do. I'm going to be handed over. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be killed, and I'm going to be raised to life. Now, first of all, you got these crazy disciples that are actually following this man that's saying, I'm going to be killed. But you got Peter thinking he could call the shots. Look at this. Peter, I don't know who gave Peter the mic, first of all. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Who gave Peter the mic? 
who, like, in, in Peter's right mind, I don't know if he just thought that Jesus is like, I'm done, game over here, you can do the rest. But he thought he can just pull Jesus on his side and teach Jesus a thing or two. Rebu- not just teach Jesus, rebuke Jesus. He took him aside, which means he, he's like, man, Jesus, you know what? Look, this ain't going to happen to you. I'm not going to let it happen. I don't care what you say. Look, he's like, never, Lord. Never. Not like, oh, this may not. Never, Lord. He said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Come on now. After he just said, you got the keys to the kingdom, you're going to, man, look, the church is going to stand up at the gates of hell, all that stuff. He's like, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. I want you guys to understand what is going on here. First of all, Peter's mind was all about who Jesus was, but his heart was far from who Jesus was. All right, look, just just get that. That could be many of us. You can ask any given person in America right now, who is Jesus? Oh, he's the son of God. Who is, what did Jesus do for you? Oh, he died on the cross for my sins. Any given person. But their hearts may be far from God because they don't understand the concerns of God. All they care about is their own. They just want a vending machine, Jesus. They just want a Jesus they can go to. And Jesus, you stay there in the corner. I'll come to you when I'm ready. That's not the concerns of God. That's your own concerns. So Peter, in his mind, he understood, oh, you're you're the Messiah. You're the one we're waiting for. You're the son of the living God. But obviously, Peter didn't really get that in his heart. Because if he was the Messiah, the one they're waiting for, why is Peter trying to call the shots on Jesus now? Did he really believe that Jesus was the son of the living God? I have no idea. But according to this rebuke, I don't think so. According to that rebuke, Peter's like, "Uh uh-uh. I don't like it that way, Jesus. I want to stay with you, Jesus. You don't need to go die and and, and be raised to life. Forget that, Jesus. I'm going to pull you aside and rebuke you, Jesus. I want us to get into our heart that we can be doing that to Jesus on the low. When we don't want to submit to God and his plans, when we don't want to submit to the kingdom of God, look, we can be just like Peter, just like, oh, just mentally, I know Jesus, I love Jesus, yeah. Man, I don't know how many times I heard I love Jesus on the streets of Chicago and people are all messed up and jacked up. And the sad part is the enemy has a lot to do with that. Lying to people, getting them all... Uh, 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 getting them thinking that they're good just because they go to church, getting them thinking they're good just because they have a Bible at home or they pray at night. The devil wants nothing more than, to people to, than for people to be deceived into believing that they got it. They could be all, all good up here. Oh, I got it. But then their steps are far from the steps of Jesus. And the thing is, the Bible says that, God, that the Lord is going to give them over to their depraved mind. And that's a sad thing. When people are rejecting Jesus... Look, on to the next one. You don't want to follow it? On to the next one. What did Jesus say? That you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. That's what a true disciple is. But this CAC, this complacent American church, this corny American church, this cheesy American church, we got to get away from that because the kingdom of God is not some phony baloney church. It's like, man, you know what? Look, opposition, come at me. I got Jesus. So I want to, I want to, do I, do I continue? Scroll up real quick. Here we go. Yes. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple, using a teaching moment, look, I know you guys are with me right now. You guys are following me. You guys are doing what I'm doing. You guys are seeing the miracles. You guys are seeing all that I'm doing. 
But you got to have the concerns of God. And whoever wants to be my disciple, continuing his teaching moment, whoever wants to be my disciple, my student, my follower, must deny themselves and take up the cross and follow me. Why? Because we got to have the concerns of God. And if we don't deny ourselves, all we're going to be thinking about is, Jesus, what can you do for me? What's in it for me, Jesus? I mean, that's what the religious Pharisees wanted. Oh, what's in it for me? Or the people, the people that were following him. What's in it for me? After Jesus fed the 5,000, for those of you who know that story, I'll just give a brief overview real quick. He fed the 5,000 miraculously with three loaves and two fish. Miraculously fed them. Miraculously. And then he left them because he didn't want them to uh, force him to be their king. And then when they find him, what's the first thing that comes to their mind? What are you going to do to prove to us that, you're, that you're, you are who you say you are? The stupidity of man. I mean, <laughs> that's just what it is. It's like, obviously, you don't have the concerns of God. You have your own concerns. You don't really care about the kingdom of God. You just care about your own kingdom. You don't care about God's church. You just care about your own church. Putting God in a box. What is that about? Well, it's not what Jesus is about. That's for sure. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Forget your life. Amen. I'll say it on rooftops. Forget your life. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. That's why I said that, that that gate is small and that path is narrow. You got to lose your life to be able to find it. And two-thirds of the population of the world don't want to deny themselves. Just connecting the scriptures together. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, the two-thirds gaining the world, but they're going to lose their soul? What good would it be for you? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory and his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Jesus is not just a man. He's the God-man that has, that's coming in his Father's glory with the angels. That's the concerns of God or the concerns of man. I want to go through seven yeses to Jesus. Seven. And why do I want to go through seven yeses to Jesus? Because anybody could say yes to Jesus. But how many are going to walk in that yes to Jesus? We got to weigh out our yeses. When we say, yes, Jesus, I'll follow you, there should be nothing that hinders that yes if you do, then you haven't built yourself upon that solid rock, and you have been deceived. But I want to go through seven yeses that we can give to Jesus. Our first yes we're going to go to, and we can start turning scripture because we've got a lot of scripture, brothers. I'm sorry. Acts 4.12. Our first yes is such an obvious yes, but it's yes to salvation. But again, going back to the narrow road and the skinny little gate you find that eternal life road our first yes to jesus is yes to his sacrifice and resurrection for us saying yes jesus i'll give my life to you because you gave your life to me and i, I want to be saved look i just want to i want us to understand this because you may be in this room and you may not be saved that's just that's just what it is and the reason why i believe is because Maybe you're just too scared of hell to really be, have the fear of the Lord. So you're, you have too much fear of hell and not enough fear of the Lord to really cling on to Jesus. You just want to use Jesus as a life raft, and he's more than a life raft. Come on now. He's a life giver. <laughs> so if we're operating too much fear of hell, then we're just like, oh, man, Jesus, just save me. I'm such a wretched sinner. It's like I'm just hopeless here in this world. I'm always sinning. I'm always stuck. I'm, always in, in, I'm just always in a mess. Well, when are you going to actually 
receive the salvation that he has purchased for you because we're not saved by our works. Last time I checked, we're not saved by them works. So, yes, the salvation is the simplest thing. But, man, people make it so complicated. Man, the enemy makes it so complicated for someone just to be saved. Come on now. That's why there's so many that could even go to church and forget the good news. But don't, let just, don't listen to me say it. We're going we're gonna to go to the scriptures. Amen. <laughs> Acts 4.12. Simple. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. In terms of Christianity, get the denomination nonsense out, man. Just when it comes to salvation, get it out. Because, look, if it is Jesus, the son of God, look, we could have that in our minds all day long just like Peter. But, man, if you don't have it in your heart, you really don't know the son of God. Salvation is found in no one else. That's just in Christianity. Forget the denominations. Look, if you go to a Catholic church and you truly love the son of God, who am I to tell you you can't be saved? But if you go to a Catholic church and you're doing all the Catholic church stuff, you're talking about praying to saints, you're talking about thinking that you're, you're taking in the actual blood and body of Jesus, like where, where is that? And then when you're talking outside of Christianity, you're talking about every other religion of the world. And the only reason why there's so many religions of the world is because everybody wants to touch God. Everybody wants, wants to connect to God. They just don't know who he is, where he is, or how he is. So they're like, oh, you know what? I can't see where I'm from, so I'll just make where I'm from. Like, what? How does that make sense? You're going to make an idol and worship it? That thing you made with your hands? No. And then you have other religions, like multiple God religions. You're like, what is going on here? And it's just the deception of the enemy, like to get people away from the Son of God. Jesus Christ. No other name. Let's go to John 3.3. I'm pretty sure uh, half of this church could quote John 3.3. You think you guys can do it? Let's see. Everybody close your eyes. If you know John 3.3, let's say it together. Jesus, oh, sorry. I don't even know it. Lord, forgive me. All right, let's say it together. Very truly, I tell you. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you. I was right. Amen. Very <laughs> Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Amen. Praise God. So this born again is, is so important, but it's still, again, so simple. All it is is our yes to Jesus. There's no seven things we must do. There's not 18 prayers we must pray. There's not a daily checklist like, oh, man, if i got to be saved today, so i got to do these things. It's just be born again. It's a help from God, the, the helper, the Holy Spirit, uh, birthing in us the Spirit of God so that we may not sin anymore. Because the Bible says that it, when God puts his seed in us, we will not go on sinning because we've been born of God. Which means the stuff I would like to do apart from God, the sin and getting myself involved in the mess of the world, I'm not going to do anymore because I got the spirit of God in me and I'm not going to like to do it anymore. When it comes to living for Jesus, this is what it's all about. Every decision you make, you're at a crossroad. And let's just say your sin is anger, right? You got anger and then you got Jesus. It's always our decision. Am I going to go ahead and give in to my fleshly anger? Or am I going to go ahead and say, God, I need you. I've been born again. I need your help. Every single, every single sin we, we come across, we say, Jesus, I need you. That's why we got to be born again. It's being born of the spirit. Forget the, the religion. Be born of the spirit. Get that spiritual rebirth. Next is 1 John 1, 9. Come on, Jesus is faithful, saving us from our dirty selves. 1 John 1, 9. 
says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. That's so hard for so many to do, just to confess our sins. Why? Pride. Oh, man, we could be so prideful. I don't want to confess my sins. I just want to go ahead and love Jesus. I just want to go to church. I just want to do what I want to do. I just want my own concerns. I want to preserve my life. I want to preserve my image. I want to do what I want to do. See, when you want, when you want to just have your own concerns and care about yourself, you don't want to confess your sins because you're going to look like a bad Christian or a bad person or just messed up. But when you have the concerns of God, you understand that he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. There's so much, look, man, there's so much brokenness in Chicago. There's so much confusion in Chicago. When you meet people on the streets, they don't understand this. Even Christians don't understand this. Literally, they, they, there's times where I encounter Christians on the streets and they don't even know that, they're, that they could be holy and set apart. Literally, they think that they're just sinners. And then sometimes I ask, you know, if you're going to heaven? I don't know. Or it's like, well, that's not for me to decide. Look, Jesus already paid the price. You just got to receive that receipt and be like, uh, paid for. Receive Jesus. And you know where that comes from? That dirtiness in Chicago streets, that brokenness, that confusion, that, that, that mentality? It comes from the lack of churches being the church. Because the church, is too, the church in America is too... Watered down, complacent, cowardice. They don't want to step out. They don't want to call out sin. They don't want to talk about God's holiness. They don't want to talk about the way, the truth, and the life. Why not? I have no idea because literally that's what Jesus came to proclaim. Verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Come on, let's get the fear of God today. It's okay to, to confess your sins. You're just showing that you have a need for Jesus. And yes, there is deliverance from all that. Yes, we overcome those sins. We don't just be like, yeah, I'm a sinner. I sinned today this many times. I'm just messed up. I'm going to confess my sins all day, every day, because this is who I am. I'm just a wretched sinner. You know, forget that, rebuke that, because if the enemy wants you to just believe you're a sinner, then you're going to stay in that mentality. But what does Jesus come to do? He came to pay the price to make us white as snow. Why you got to complicate it when that's what the word says? His blood can cover us and make us white as snow. All of our sins forgiven, transgressions done for, infirmities crushed. Come on now. It's so easy, but we got to complicate it with our human concerns. We got to complicate it. Our last scripture for our yes to salvation is Matthew 7, 21. More of the fear of the Lord scriptures. Let me tell you, more of them. Because we need him. It says this, and many of you guys heard this, but we got to constantly live this with our heart. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Look, Peter was all about Lord, Lord. He even called him the son of the living God. But man, he, he was in a wrong for pulling Jesus aside and rebuking him because look, he was not trying to be on God's will. He was trying to be on Peter's will. Because what made Peter comfortable was the fact that, Jesus, I want you to be like this. And then Jesus is like, well, if I do it like that, Peter, how is Rudy going to hear the gospel in 2011? How is Tina going to hear the gospel in 2009? Evelyn, whatever year you were saved, amen. <laughs> but you get the drift. 
How, how are we going to hear the gospel if Jesus never died and rose from the dead? Because even after Jesus died on the cross, did his disciples say, okay, it's time to go start churches now? No, they went back to their old lives. Peter went back to fishing. And then he had to get rebuked by Jesus again three times. So they weren't all about, yes, it's now time to start the church that he talked about. I got the keys to the kingdom, you guys. Let's go plant churches. No. They were not even convinced he rose from the dead until they seen him. And Thomas didn't, wasn't even convinced until he touched his hands. Like, bro, what do you think? You're hallucinating now? But look, it wasn't like they were on fire for Jesus right off the bat. They had to wait. And then once Jesus rose from the dead, he spent 40 days with his disciples teaching them about what? The kingdom of God. 40 days about the kingdom of God just to make sure they're not on their own human concerns anymore because if we're stuck on human concerns God what are you going to do for me what are you, how are you going to bless me how are you going to make my bank account rise look th- forget that you serve God first and he'll take care of you but you got to serve God first it's not about what God can do for us because Jesus ain't going to be washing your feet to the day you die look he wants you to rise up and wash others feet so that's the first yes yes to salvation our second yes just as important. Let me just be straight. All these yeses are super important if you don't want to fall away from God. Yes to prayer and yes to intimacy. Still under one yes. Let's go to Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 through verse 6. Yes to prayer and intimacy. Just like Jesus' disciples spent time with him, they fellowshiped with him, they shared meals with him, they learned from him. Who's to say we're not supposed to do the same stuff with him now? Look, if you want to invite Jesus to your dinner table, go ahead. Just don't be so weird and pull up a seat for him, all right? You pray before every meal that's inviting the Lord to eat with you. Jesus speaking, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, or they love to pray standing in the churches and on the street corners to be seen by others. I wish more people would pray on the street corners, honestly. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room. You close that door and pray to your father who is unseen. See, it's true faith when you don't have to see who you're praying to. You don't need no idol. You don't, look, he's talking to his disciples. You don't even need, uh, you don't even need your synagogues. You go into your own room. You close that door and you pray to your father who is unseen. And then your father who sees what is done in secret when no one's watching will reward you. Just as important. Because if we don't fellowship with Jesus Christ, if we don't fellowship and pray and have intimacy with him, building that relationship with him, if we don't do that, we're missing the purpose of really following Jesus. Because like I said, it can be just, oh, Christianity is this. We just have our worship service. We have our prayer service. We go home. We wait for the next one. And then we just want, at that point, we're just like the Pharisees and being religious. Like, this is just what I do at church. And at home, I'm going to just do what I want to do. We have to have the fear of God enough to be like, God, I want to commune with you so so you can see what's not done for people to see. It's for an audience of one, Lord. I'm going to go ahead and sing in the shower and in my bedroom, even if it don't sound good, right? (laughs) Like, Jesus, I know you love my voice because he's going to reward us for what's done in secret. 
And we worship him, and we're like, Lord, it's just me and you right now. Speak to me. He'll start giving you visions. If you're older, you'll probably see, uh, you know, have dreams. You know, I haven't got the dream stage yet. I'm literally, I knock out, and next thing I know, it's like in the morning, my alarm clock's going off. Don't remember any dreams. But God can still give dreams to young people, amen? There's some in this room that he gives dreams to, amen? But we got to do it. We got to learn how to love God and fall in love with him every single day and be intimate with him and be like, God, this is what it's all about. I want to live in the fear of you and not just the fear of hell. Because we're not going to church just to, to escape hell. Like, I just want to go to church so I make sure I'm not going to hell. Man, no. Scratch that. Rebuke that. We must be in the body of Christ because we love Jesus with all of our heart, all of our soul, mind, and our strength. And then we love our neighbor as ourself. Let's go to Psalm 91 to get the heart of what true intimacy looks like and feels like. Amen. We're going to read the whole psalm. It's super long, and we're going to be here till 1050 reading that psalm. I'm just joking, y'all. Don't take me serious. Psalm 91. Here we go. So a heart of someone who knows what it's like to dwell in the shelter of the Most High. They know what it's like to be in the presence of God. They don't have to put on Hillsong and wait 10 minutes and then put on Bethel and wait for the Spirit of God to fall. It could be super quiet and they hear crickets and be like, Lord, I'm going to dwell right here. And you let the Lord start downloading stuff. It's awesome. You guys should try it. And you just fellowship with him. But let's read this together. Let's really understand the, the hearts of, of the person that wrote this psalm and how they are just in love with God. And understand, like, when you're with God, there's nothing that could tear you down. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers. Come on now. And under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield. Come on. And rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands, and you will not strike the foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra, and you will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him or her. Amen. For he acknowledges or she acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And then you love, you got to love the response that, that the Lord gives to the psalmist. Because he loves me, I'm going to rescue him. I'm going to protect him because he loves me. That's where the disconnect with, with, with us and our relationship with God, if even, because we don't understand this relationship with God. We could be lost in this church stuff. We can be lost in it. And I would rebuke the enemy if he thinks he could be in more churches and the Holy Ghost is in more churches because people are so deceived. Man, I, look, I believe that our church here in America is sick 
And we got to rise up to be the prophets to the sick and dying church. And why, why do we got to be the prophets to the false prophets? Well, we should just be prophets to the people because the false prophets are prophesying lies and telling people the concerns of themselves. That's what a seeker-sensitive church looks like and feels like, where they just tell you what your itching ears want to hear, but we got to rise up and be like, look, I know your ears itch, but man, whoever has ears, let them hear, no matter how bad it sounds. We got we to gotta prophesy. Come on, that single-person prophet in the Old Testament that's done for, we, are all, we can all be prophets of God because we have the Holy Spirit, and we can talk to that. This is yes to prayer and intimacy. Lord have mercy. But it's true. If you think about this, if you think about the song we sang, You Are Good, there was a second song in the worship service. You are good. Can you imagine Paul, the apostle Paul, arrested and singing that in prison? How about Peter, arrested as well, singing that in, in, in jail? Just saying, you are good. And they, could do, they could do that when they're in jail. I know we can do it too whenever we lose a family member. Like Jerry was, was, was talking about her testimony about she had to understand that God was always there, never left her in the, in the turmoils of life. And then she still preaches the gospel and doesn't care what, who comes at her because she knows that God is with her. And if they reject her, they're rejecting Jesus. So why, why is intimacy and prayer so important? Because without that relationship with God, it's just religion. Just like the Pharisees. Just like every other religion in this world in your mind, you may acknowledge God, but your hearts are far from him, and that's a bad place to be. We got to get woke to the spirit of God. And I rebuke that CAC, that complacent American church. Our next yes. Yes to preach the gospel. We're going to be in Romans starting in 116. Yes to preach the gospel. And I'm going to, let's go to Matthew 28 real quick before we go to there. Let's go there first. Yes, to preach the gospel. How, are they, how is anybody going to be saved unless we open our mouths and tell them exactly what Jesus told us to tell them? How is anybody going to be saved? I know the reason why I'm standing here today is because this faithful church went out to Wicker Park, a place that didn't want to hear them, and they were evangelizing, and some wicked person threw the flyer on the ground, and guess what? My friend Jen found it, and I got saved when I came to this church because this church believes in the Great Commission. Let's go to uh, verse 18. Yes, she did. She saw it. Look, she seen me coming in there as an atheist, but she sees me now as a person that loves Jesus. I walked in that door. She was actually the first person I seen. I walked through those doors, and she's like, hi. I was like, okay, hi. And we came through that church, and, and I, I learned about Jesus from being an unbeliever, an unbeliever. The only reason I went, because Jen invited me. That's not Jen. That's Jerry. But my friend Jen, she invited me, and I went with her, and I found a love for God I didn't even believe in before. The power of the gospel. But look what Jesus says. This, this is literally Jesus' last instruction to his disciples before he left to be sit at the right hand of God. Literally the last instructions. Just think about this. If you're on the job and you had X amount of, um, let's just say you're, hmm, let's just say this. Huh? You're a salesman and you had X amount of things to sell. And your boss said, hey, I want you to sell this amount of stuff over the weekend. And on Monday, I'm going to come back and see how much you did and reward you according to what you sold. Let's just say your boss told you to do that, sell these cars or whatever it may be. And the whole weekend, you're just like, I'm going to go ahead and shine the tires. And I'm going to go ahead and, and, and clean the windows. I'm going to vacuum every car. I'm going to go ahead and um, sweep the floors of the car dealership. All those things are good, right? Like, it's good to do that stuff, but that's not what the boss told you to do. 
And if you're focusing only on that, you're not doing what the boss told you to do. So when Jesus says this, he came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, don't stay, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Is it difficult? No. Look, when I first came to this church, honestly, I thought every single Christian church did exactly what we did. Discipleship, evangelism, speaking in tongues. I thought every single Christian church did it. Why? Because I went to a Catholic school growing up. I didn't know that Christian churches existed. So when I found one, I'm like, oh, they must all do this since all the Catholic churches are basically uniform, right? Like, you, you, you could go to a Catholic church on the south side, north side. It's basically the same thing, at least from what, from what I remember. But think about this. I thought every single Christian church did this. But let me tell you how much is lacking in our culture, in, in this American culture. People don't want to be disciples because you got to be accountable. People don't want to preach the gospel because you got to step out your comfort zone. And boy, let me tell you how much people like to keep God in the box. They, no, God, I don't want to go out and preach the gospel. I just want to have my worship service and prayer meetings. Oh, that's good. That's good. And, and yeah, and shining the, the, the wheels of the car are good too, and vacuuming is good too. But you're not just supposed to do that. You're supposed to do the work. You're supposed to go out and preach. What good is it to have a prayer meeting if, you, if no one is getting saved and, you, and, no, and you're not going out to preach? It's like literally we can have these prayer meetings and asking God to save our friends and our family and save our community. Yet we're doing nothing that God is telling us to do. So it's kind of like God is, is speaking back to us saying, why don't you go into your community with the word of God and you change it? Why don't you be the church and change it? Because look, this is, this is my prophetic message to the church of America. Matthew 28, 18. Go make disciples of all nations, baptize them, teach them to obey everything that Jesus commanded you. And Jesus will be with you while you do it. That's my prophetic message to the church in America. We need to get woke and stop sleeping on our comfortable church beds. We got to literally go and we got to, look, we got to rise up as prophets and be like, you know what, I'm done with CAC, this complacent American church, this cheesy American church, just all about worship. We got to literally stand up as prophets and be like, I rebuke that. We got to go and make disciples. Let's go, to, let's go to Acts 1, 7, 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 7 through 8. I'm going to read Romans 1, 16 just on my own without the screen because it's really simple and many of you know it. Paul said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes First the Jew, then the Gentile. So we can't be ashamed of the very thing that's going to save people's lives and eternities. Look, Jesus is not just about saving you from your, your lack of job or, or saving your bank account or saving your, uh, uh, just your day-to-day your, your -day things. He's not just about the small things where it's like, I lost my job, Jesus helped me. No, he's about completely changing your eternity because he knows that at the end of the road you're walking on, there is hell, and if you don't step aside, you're going to be engulfed in the flames of it, not because he hates you, but because we rejected the Son of God. It's not that hard to say yes to Jesus. You literally say yes to Jesus. You step in it. You be born again. You ask Jesus to completely transform your life by the Holy Ghost. You get born of the Spirit, and then you live a, a holy and perfect life according to him. And literally, the work is not even on us. Jesus did all the work, and he sent the Holy Spirit to help us. Like, every single thing that we need is on the table for us to take. But if we're so, so consumed in our own concerns, we're not going to turn to the concerns of God. We're going to be like, oh, I got this. I just, I just care about me. I'll go to God when I need him. Vending machine, God. Here's $1.25. God, give me some. 
Acts chapter 1, 7 through 8. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has sought by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. It doesn't, don't, don't, look, Jesus is like, don't care about when I'm coming back, just do the work. Don't mind when I'm coming back, just do the work. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in all Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. That's literally what he's saying. Don't, don't, don't matter. It don't matter when. Just do it. Look, our success as Christians should not be based on, on, um, on just numbers. It should be based on our faithfulness and yes to Jesus. Yes, I'll go. Yes, I'll be saved, Jesus. Then yes, I'll go. I'll go preach. Let's go to our yes to make disciples. That's the third yes. Is it the, it's the fourth yes. I'm sorry. Our yes to make disciples. Another thing. So when we say yes to Jesus, just to, just to bring us up to par, when we say yes to Jesus, it involves all of this. It, when, when he says come and follow me, it's not just come and follow me for the bread and fish I could give you. It's about all of this. It's about salvation. It's about prayer and intimacy. It's about uh, preaching the gospel and about making disciples. It's all of that. That's the lifestyle of a disciple. That's what a lifestyle of a Christian is supposed to look like. But if I'm Christian and Billy's a Christian over here and Billy's turning up on the weekend smoking weed and stuff, how is, the, how is anybody supposed to know who the real Christian is? We got to be disciples and, and literally take the name Christian back from, from lukewarmness. Rebuke lukewarmness in the name of Jesus. Rebuke that. So let's go to, um, let's go to Matthew 16, 24, because we already talked about the Great Commission, but I want to talk about disciples again. But go to Matthew 16, 24. Literally, in, in part of Jesus' last instructions for us on this earth was to make disciples, not church pew sitters. Not homeless feeders, not just here's my bag of clothes for, for who needs it, not just prayer workers, it's disciples. Because a disciple does literally all of that. A disciple is a prayer worker. A disciple is a person that preaches the gospel. A disciple is a person that gives stuff to those who need it. That's what a disciple is. They do every single thing. I like to give this illustration as a Walgreens, okay? I think once upon a time, Walgreens started off as a pharmacy store. And then now they have overpriced toothpaste. And now they have overpriced, now they have overpriced candy bars. You're like, really? You gotta do this? But they can do it. Why? Because they're on every single corner. Like literally, you could probably walk to a Walgreens from where you live at. So raise your hand if you cannot walk to a Walgreens where you live at. That's what I thought. Raise your hand if you can walk to the Walgreens where you live at. Oh, there we go. So the way I put it is like this. If if the kingdom of God is like a Walgreens. We shouldn't just single out one thing because you know if you're going to Walgreens, they're going to have it. So, you know, if you go to Walgreens, you could get your prescription there. You could probably get some flowers for your loved one. You could probably get a Twix bar, you know. So, you know, it engulfs everything. You know that a Walgreens has what you need. So, if, if Walgreens says, okay, we're not doing candy bars anymore. We're not doing the soaps anymore. We're just doing drugs. We're just doing prescription. They're missing out on what the Walgreens experience is like. You know when you walk into a Walgreens, it's usually diagonally, and you know that over there is the photo. You know over here is the uh, cosmetics right when you walk in. You know that. That's what the church should look like. But if you walk into a Walgreens and they have no cosmetics, you're like, all right, I'm out. Well, at least the ladies will be like, all right, I'm out, you know. And then if you walk into a Walgreens and they get rid of the most important thing, the drugs, right, the prescriptions, 
You're like, I am not paying $1.50 for a Twix bar. I could get a family dollar for 75 cents. So when you go to a church and they don't do evangelism or discipleship, you're like, what is the point of this? What is the point of this facility? Is it just for your pretty lights and, and your great speakers? Is it just for your, your programs? What is the point of this place? It should, every church should have evangelism and discipleship. The building is just a place where we get trained up, where we learn the word of God, and we're like, man, I want to go now be a prophet to the false prophets, and I want to do the work. So this is just the building. We all come to get trained up, and then we go out and, and preach the gospel, make disciples. We bring people in, and we see the work of God being done. In Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up the cross, and follow me. Deny yourself and then take up your cross, which means you're going to be hated, you're going to be persecuted, and follow me. It's not a road you want to be on. It's not a road you want to be on if you're in the flesh, but it is the road to eternal life. And like he said, few find it. Few are down to walk with this Jesus, which brings me to my next yes, the yes of persecution. Okay? Few are going to want to be hated or persecuted for Jesus. We're going to be in Matthew 10, 16. By the way, if you ever want a... um. If you ever want a good chapter in the Bible that talks about evangelism and our, our involvement in the world, Matthew 10. It'll change your life. Probably a lot of the stuff you deal with is in Matthew 10 when it comes to being a Christian in the public. So our yes to persecution. Let's just read the scripture right now. Matthew 10, 16. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. That's what Jesus said. If you heard Joel Osteen say that, you're like, what is he talking about? Is he going to bring sheep on the stage? No, listen. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves, and be on your guard. This is Jesus speaking. When you see red letters, that's Jesus. Jesus speaking, be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. Oh, but what about my best life now? Is that, is that part of my best life now, Jesus? Is that, is that what you're planning? Yes. <laughs> On my account, you will be brought before the governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. The, the, the local authorities, you're going to be brought before them and you're going to be a witness. This is what Jesus is talking about. You're going to witness not just to the Gentiles, but before kings and governors. That's what you're going to do. Be a witness. Jesus speaking. Let's keep going. Verse 19. But when they arrest you. Let me pause here real quick. Real quick. Let me just pause here because I feel like Jesus said when, and I just want people to confirm when he said when. Did, did he say when there? He said when. Now, we don't have that concern in America, right? And that's where I feel part of the problem is. It's now a if even. If even they arrest me. Why? Well, one, we're not standing up and preaching the gospel. And two, we're way too comfortable to even do that. We're way too comfortable to even do that. So what are they going to arrest us for? A bad building permit? Because if we're just in a four walls, what are they going to arrest us for? Maybe the fire marshal comes in here, sees that our door doesn't open the right way, you know. But Jesus said when, which means if you get arrested, you're doing something right. Because, look, they, they, they are not going to like you. But he says, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. And let me tell you, when you're in that position, you always have what to say when it comes to standing up for the gospel. Literally, Bible scriptures come to your mind. You're like, I don't even know how I knew that, but it came out my mouth. 
For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Let me tell you, when you go evangelizing, crazy Holy Spirit downloads come into your mind. Like, I don't even know how I know that, but I just gave it to you. That's how it comes. Because it's like, man, you, you are doing the will of God and God is speaking through you for that person. Like I said, prophets. Prophets. That's what we are to be. We're not just supposed to come to church and be like, yeah, I heard the message. <laughs> yeah, I heard the message. It was good. Yeah, and it's worship and then go home and forget it ever happened or just continue to just come every single week, man. The enemy wants us to just be comfortable in church. Forget, forget confessing your sin. Forget that. Forget making disciples. Forget prayer and intimacy. You go to prayer meetings on Wednesday nights. You're good. No, the devil wants to get us all jacked up in the head and forget about our relationship with God and what he told us to do. So our yes to Jesus involves that persecution. I am going to go and preach the gospel, and when I get arrested, my yes is still yes. Matthew 24, verse 4. We're going to go there next. I got a lot to say about persecution. I really do. Because our church has experienced that. Not even on, look, not even on the scale as other Christians around the world are experiencing persecution. But yet we're still scared. We're scared to hurt people's feelings. But the gospel is the power of those who believe and it changes people's lives. People need to be convicted in order for them to understand they're a sinner in need of a savior. They need that. So if, 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 if you're concerned about hurting people's feelings, scratch that, dump them in the trash. And you do what Jesus said. Are we there? Yes, it is. Our Jesus answered. Red letters again. This is all Jesus. Don't take my word for it. Just telling you what Jesus said. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and he will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All, things are the be all these are the beginning of birth pains. Verse 9. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. Is your yes still yes to Jesus? Look, I don't care. Look, let's just say this. If you're walking on the street and, and, and um, an animal activist comes to you, and like, hey, sign our petition, you know, we want to come against the whatever they go against. I don't even know what they go against. Let's just say this. I know that there's a animal coat activist. They don't like animal coats. Uh, someone approached me about that. Let's just say they're like, sign my petition. And I'm like, okay, what's it for? Well, it's about standing against animal coats, you know, killing animals for coats. And then as you're signing, they're like, well, and also you may be killed by signing this. How many of you guys are going to give them the pen back? Be like, all right, I'm done. You'd be like, I'm not, I didn't sign up. For, I'm not signing up for this. But when we say yes to Jesus, literally, that's what it is. And I'm not just saying it because we're just, oh, yeah, I want to die. No. When, we, when Jesus gives us the message to preach, it's the same message they crucified him for. Just saying. Same message. Different messenger. Jesus got crucified because he was speaking blasphemy. Well, they said he was speaking blasphemy, but he was speaking utter truth. They just weren't woke to it. They, they were not trying to uh, expand their minds to understand who the Son of God was. It's the same message. It's the same exact message. It's, he said, you will be um, put to death. Where am I at? Here we go. Um, at that time, many will turn from the faith and will betray and hate each other. This is in the faith, y'all. All right? In this church, a lot of people left our church. 
pray they come back because, because of the persecution we had to undergo. All right? We, we had to stand in the face of the opposition and be like, my yes to Jesus is still yes. And some people were like, I'm out. I'm good. I didn't sign up for this. You know, but it's like, man, any bit, any bit of hatred for Jesus is an honor for Jesus. And we got to believe that. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about it. But it says, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and betray and hate each other because of petty reasons of, of not really saying yes to Jesus. Mind you, these are brothers and sisters in the faith. They're turning away and they're betraying you. They're hating you. Well, it's mainly because their yes wasn't 100% yes. It was a yes with some conditions. Yes, Jesus, but boom. Yes, Jesus, I'll go do that, but boom. Jesus ain't looking for butts. He's looking for mouths. He's looking for people to preach. Last time I checked, he ain't looking for butts. He's looking for those that say, yeah, I'll go. He's looking for mouths. So there shouldn't be a condition attached to your yes to Jesus. You want to follow Jesus? Well, just know this, and he's teaching his disciples, you got to deny yourself because there's no room for the kingdom for someone who puts their hand to the plow and butts back and turns back and be like, all right, I'm out. I'm good. I don't have to do this church thing. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many because of the increase of wickedness. The love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. There's a reason why he talks about that. And we'll talk about standing firm to the end. But, man, because there's a lot of reasons to give, throw the towel in and say, I'm done. But me, when I came to Jesus, look, there was no going back. To me, that was not even in the picture anymore. There was not a yes to Jesus, but, or yes to Jesus, but I may want to, no. All, everything that I lived for was now done for. My yes to Jesus is a yes to Jesus. And I pray that I stay that course because, look, there be the enemy may want to disqualify me. People may want to disqualify me. But my yes to Jesus is always yes to Jesus. So you know if you're in a persecuted situation where people are coming at you, you know that your yes to Jesus is good. And don't you back out now. You came this far. You're in, the fa- you're in, you're in literally, literally the face of hell. And you're saying, my yes to Jesus is still a yes to Jesus. You're in the face of the opposition. You're like, my yes to Jesus is still a yes to Jesus. Paul in prison, my yes to Jesus is still a yes to Jesus. Who's the man um, that got tortured for Christ? Thank you. Don't know his story. Don't know his name. His yes to Jesus was still a yes to Jesus being, being tormented in that cell. It was still yes to Jesus, even with family threats. Yes to Jesus. I'm willing to stand up for Jesus. I'm willing to lay my life down for Jesus because I know that when I die, I continue to live. Jesus didn't say death is nothing but sleeping. He said, when, look, he called it sleeping, meaning like, look, you, your body may die, but you're going to enter eternity. It's just sleeping. That's what Jesus described it as. Uh, Matthew 10, 26. Still Jesus speaking. Look, Jesus had a lot to say about standing in the face of opposition. And it's a good thing for us to listen to because in this world, we are to be like Jesus. And Jesus was crucified, just to let you all know. And if we are to be like Jesus, we we should be expecting some hate for the gospel. We should be expecting some, some opposition for standing up. Here we go, Matthew 10, 26. Jesus speaking, do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, nor hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak that in the daylight. That what is whispered in your ear, proclaim on the rooftops. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. 
Yep, still Jesus speaking. I would pay $10, just 10 Probably more if I had more. I just want to hear Joel Osteen say this just once. Like, just let me hear him say it. Just even manipulate his voice on an audio program. I just want to hear him say it. I'll publish, I'll, I'll publish that. If he would say this, I don't know how many of his church members would stay, but look, when you're saying that we got to, you know, expose things, that's that's step in the line of comfort. But this is us as Christians. We're not supposed to be comfortable. If in this world we are to be like Jesus, we shouldn't expect any comfort. Dude fasted for 40 days and nights. He's the son of the living God. Here we go. Our next yes is yes to being hated. Very similar, but I want to specifically go to John 15, 18. So let's recap our yeses right now before we get to the end of the yeses. Our first yes is yes to salvation. We got to say yes to Jesus and, and be saved. Fear of God, not the fear of hell, okay? Yes to prayer and intimacy. Yes to preach the gospel. Yes to make disciples. Yes to persecution. We got to be okay with being persecuted for Jesus. We do. 100%. Our next yes is yes to being hated. Uh, John 15, 18. If the world hates you, Jesus speaking again. Look, Jesus, red letter Jesus. If the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. That's how you know a church is sick, when they just want to be loved by the world. And literally, the seeker-sensitive church, listen to what it's called, the seeker-sensitive. They just want to go to the seekers of, of, the, of, of just church. They, they, they just want the world to love them. Oh, we don't want to offend anybody. Scratch that, man. Preach the gospel. But if it offends, amen, they'll repent. Um, as it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. He didn't say, if the world hates you, that's why. No, he said, that is why the world hates you. So I'm sorry for preaching this message, but I got to I gotta, I gotta preach whatever I feel the Holy Spirit's saying to the church right now. Not just me, the church right now. There's a theme going on. You're either with it or you're not with it. You're either woke or you're still asleep. You either put God in the box or you're saying, God, get me out the box. And, and this, this time, if we're going to experience a revival, we can't be stuck up on the concerns of man. We got to be 100% Concern of God minded, kingdom of God minded, because if revival is going to happen, look, it ain't going to happen if we're just all about ourselves. Just what can you give me, God? Just no. Scratch that. Continuing on verse uh, verse 20. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, Jesus speaking, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, Christians of the Christ. They will treat you that way just because you bear the name of Christ. For they do not know the one who sent me. Just understand this. When we are hated for Jesus, they're not hating you. They're hating Jesus. Because I could go up to the same person, talk about shoes or animal rights or whatever. I could talk about anything else. I could... could come to them with anything else but as soon as i say jesus the whole game flips i get i start getting middle fingers thrown up at me i'm like man what what did i do i just talked to you about jesus literally and so many accusations come but the, the reason why is they don't know the one who sent jesus they don't know the father care less about god they just they just it's such a spiritual battle it's such a spiritual thing where they literally hate you because that's the kingdom of the prince of the air which is the devil Look, this is the devil's playground, and we're literally stomping on his playground saying, hey, Jesus, the kingdom of God is coming. I can't even fit here. 
we're on this devil's playground. He's going to get mad. And people are going to get mad. They're not going to want to stomp it on their playground. Like, look, these wood chips, sin. All that, sin. The church, the, the complacent church, get out of here. We got to stomp on it and be like, this is kingdom of God territory now. And we got to take it back because that's literally what Jesus told us to do. Go Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the world. First um, John 3. Time to get woke, amen. First John 3, uh, verse 13. Sorry about that. First John 3, 13. Uh, do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. There we go. Matthew 10, 34. Sorry, sorry for making you go there. I apologize so much. Matthew 10, 34. And then we have our last yes, then we'll come to a close briefly. Um, Jesus speaking again. Uh, Matthew 10, 34. This is Jesus speaking again. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. Don't suppose that. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. So take courage and be, be comforted in the uncomfortableness of telling your family members about Jesus, okay? Because Jesus said, you know what? A man's enemies will be the members of his household. And matter of fact, when Jesus went to his hometown, a lot of miracles weren't even performed there because of their lack of faith. And he said, a prophet's without honor. Uh, a prophet is with honor except his hometown. Our last yes is yes to enduring to the end. And let's go to Matthew 24, verse 9. This is so important. Don't throw in a towel now. When you say yes to Jesus... You're expected to do it to the end, but there is a turning away of people that are in the faith, as we talked about. There is people that are not going to be with it when times get hard, and we'll talk about that in our closing. But again, this is Jesus speaking. Then you will be handed over and to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn from the faith and, be, and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end. Are you willing to say yes to Jesus still? If, if you're going to be hated by all nations because of Jesus? And if, if people are turning away from the faith, are you still going to say yes to Jesus? People hating you, persecuting you, government opposing you, persecuted, all that stuff. False prophets all over the place. Will you still say yes to Jesus? Even when there's an increase of wickedness and it's even harder to go out there and preach, are you still going to say yes to Jesus? In your prayer closet, yes, Jesus, I'll go. And then you're in the face of persecution. And I say this, and i got to give this message now because, look, this church has been preaching like this since I can remember. But whatever our church experienced in 2020 when we stood up and, stood up and not closed during COVID and stood up against the BLM movement, the organization, look, it got real. Our lives were on the line. I was camping during the time, but when I say our... <laughs> Yeah, literally was camping. I don't know why, but that, that's what happened. Josh and I were camping. But look, our lives were on the line. And I know, I know there was a number of people here that were still here at church that, that Sunday where people were going to literally burn the building down. And they'll tell you their testimony. They were like, man, my life could end here, but it's all for the glory of God. They said yes to Jesus leading worship up here. They said yes to Jesus preaching up here. They said, my yes to Jesus is non-conditional. It's a yes no matter what because in, in the face of death, 
I'm, I'm still saying yes to my Jesus. I weighed out my yes. My yes is not just some feathery yes. It's a yes that comes with weight of loving God and seeing his kingdom come down to earth. It's a yes to see change. And it doesn't come by just staying in your church box. It doesn't come by just staying in your, in your own little circle and saying, God, do it out there, but don't do it in me. Because that could be our heart. God, do it in them, but don't do it in me. Use the, use the ministers, Lord, but don't use me. Use the pastors, Lord, but don't use me. Because, pe- look, people could idolize some pastors. People can idolize some pastors. But, no, we are to be the pastors to the lost sheep out there. We are to be the prophets to the lost prophets that are preaching these churches and to the people out there. We are to rise up and be the church of God, and the gates of hell will not overcome us. Even if we die, we continue to live. That's what Jesus said. He is the resurrection and the life. Um, Revelation 2, and then we'll get to our... Our closing here. Lord have mercy. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer, I tell you. This is Jesus speaking. Revelation 2.10. Sorry about that. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as a victor's crown. Don't give up eternal life for some little opposition here on earth. Because, man, when you're, when you're in eternity for a million years, you'll barely remember life on earth. You're like, what? A church? What is that? You'll be so, like, lost because it'll be like, wow, there was a time where there was sin. Wow. It'll, be, it'll completely blank your mind because eternity is eternity. There's no expiration date on that. Um, Vinny, could you come, please? We're going to get ready to close now. So... Our closing will be mainly in Matthew 13, 13, verse 3. All right, here we go. Matthew 13, verse 3 is the parable of the sower. I'm just going to go ahead and start reading this now because I don't have much time. So here we go. (laughs) Jesus speaking again. I know Jesus speaks amazingly. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed... Some fell on the ground. Oh, some fell on along the path. Sorry about that. Some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and, it, uh, and they withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seeds fell on good soil where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Let's skip down to verse 16. So we understand the parable, right? Well, we don't understand. Maybe we understand. But here's the parable, but Jesus is going to explain it, and I want to explain it this way. A generic yes to Jesus is easy to say. A generic yes. Yes to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, I'll follow Jesus. I'll go to church. Yeah, you know what? I'm out of hope now. Lost my family member. I'll go to church. I'll pray. But let's, let's look at the one who's actually going to stick with Jesus when times get hard. And when times get hard, I'm not talking about losing your job. I'm not talking about just like, you know, losing your job or, or losing a money income or, or losing a family member. I'm talking about really hard when you're actually standing for Jesus and people don't like you for it. Um, verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word at once and receives it with joy. Real quick, I'm going to go back to the, the seed sown along the path. So 
you, you start to believe in Jesus, then the enemy comes and snatches that away, and all of a sudden you don't really want to follow Jesus anymore. The evil one comes and snatches what was sown, and you don't even want to follow Jesus. And the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it, receives it with joy. They're like, yeah, I love this. And you're coming to worship services. You're dancing around. You're, you're volunteering to pray. You're doing the most. You're getting involved. But since they have no roots, they didn't take their time to get planted. They last only a short time. I've seen it. I've only been saved nine and a half years, but I've seen it. They come, they get excited, they start praying, they come to every single ministry and all that stuff, but they never take root in Jesus. And it only lasts a short time. And then when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. That's what happens. It gets real. People give up. They're like, ah, well, the dancing was cool, the prayer ministry was cool, but now, you know, people don't like me, so I'm going to go ahead and leave. Uh, verse 22, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. You say yes to Jesus, and all of, then when some, something doesn't work the way you want it to, you want to leave? That's not a disciple. That's not a person that loves Jesus. That's not a person that says yes to Jesus and I'm with you to the end of the age. That's not a person that says I'm going to endure to the end. That's a person that throws in the towel saying I'm done. It's too, it's, I'm following you, Jesus, but it seems like nothing's working for me. First of all, we're not following Jesus so we can keep our jobs. We're not following Jesus so that our families can have more uh, furniture. We're not doing that. We're following Jesus because literally he's the way, the truth, and the life. And we fear God over everything. And we love God. That's why we're following Jesus. Verse 23, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. We want to be that person that hears the word and we understand it. Be like, don't be like Peter where you're just all knowledge and then you try to rebuke Jesus. Like, well, Jesus, I don't like the way church is done that way. I want to do it my way. Rebuke you. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. What does that mean? That means when we are made a disciple, we're now taking what God gave us to go make more disciples. We planted ourselves, and when persecution comes, we stand up at persecution and be like, you know what? My yes is still to Jesus. I still say yes to Jesus. And there's wisdom in that, but I say yes to Jesus 100 times. My last scripture for today, amen, last scripture, but it's to encourage us. Romans 8, 34 through 39. I want us to be encouraged. Look, I had to give this kind of message because that's what I feel, man. I feel we need to understand that standing up for Jesus is a serious thing. Because think about it. If the world sees a church that backs down, who wants to be part of something that backs down? You see a biker club over there and they back down, you're like, I don't want to be part of that biker club. You see a Pokemon group that are gathering up and then they back down, you're like, I don't want to be part of that Pokemon group. So you don't want to be part of anything that backs down. So when the world sees us and we're backing down, they're not going to be, want to be part of the kingdom of God. They're going to want to be part of a church that faces opposition and persecution. And I tell you, many here have come to this church because of that reason. They were done with the old way church used to be. They're ready for the new season. They're ready for the harvest. They're ready for revival. So let's read this in closing. Band and altar work, could you guys come please? Because we're going to close on this verse right here. Romans 8, 34. Let's be encouraged. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. 
Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, hallelujah, and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or corona? No. Or famine, nakedness or danger or a sword? No. My love for Christ is here. I don't care what comes in this world. Corona, uh, Modelo, I don't care what comes in this world. I'm still standing for Jesus. For it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. And look at us comfortable Americans. We don't face death all day long. We may face masks all day long. We're trying to get rid of that. Amen. (laughs) But we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am convinced, come on now, that neither death nor life, not angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us, separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on, let's stand up and give God some praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. We're not going to let demons nor death or any sickness keep us from the love of God. We're going to close on to some worship. If you need prayer, come on and get it. But if you want to respond, you know, get some prayer. If you've been dealing with stuff, if you want to get rid of the stuff that's keeping you from living that yes to Jesus, come on and get some prayer. I'm going to pray a prayer of dismissal. We are exiting through the side doors as a new way of uh, better flowing our church of exit and entering. So we'll dismiss from there, but let me pray a prayer of dismissal. Father, we thank you for your church that will not be defeated, that will not back down at the gates of hell. We thank you for the men and women of God who are being encouraged daily to stand up for Jesus, not just in America, God, but around the world, God. I pray that you'll make us bold, that you'll make us fruitful, that we'll be disciples that make disciples, that we'll be the preachers. We'll say yes to you, God, and never throw in that yes. God, we pray that our yeses will be weighed and thought about, God, and we'll plant ourselves on a soil, the solid ground, a solid rock, oh God, that we'll look for you in times of trouble and know that you are with us because, God, you said you'll be with us to the very end of the age. In Jesus' name, amen. Come up for prayer if you need some prayer.